podcast, Catechism in the Catholic Church in One Year. Today's day 43. We begin with number 302. God carries out his plan, divine providence. Creation has its own goodness and proper perfection, but it did not spring forth complete from the hands of the creator. The universe was created in a state of journeying, in statu via, toward an ultimate perfection yet to be attained, to which God has destined it. We call divine providence the dispositions by which God guides his creation toward this perfection. By his providence, God protects and governs all things which he has made, reaching mightily from one end of the earth to the other and ordering all things well. For all are open and laid bare to his eyes, even those things which are yet to come into existence through the free action of creatures. The witness of Scripture is unanimous that the solicitude and divine providence is concrete and immediate. God cares for all, from the last things to the great events of the world and its history. The sacred books powerfully affirm God's absolute sovereignty over the course of events. Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. And so it is with Christ, who opens and no one shall shut, who shuts and no one opens. As the book of Proverbs states, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will be established. And so we see the Holy Spirit, the principal author of sacred scripture, often attributing actions to God without mentioning any secondary causes. This is not a primitive mode of speech, but a profound way of recalling God's primacy and absolute lordship over his history and the world. And so of educating his people to trust in him. The prayer of the Psalms is the great school of this trust. Jesus asks for childlike abandonment to the providence of our heavenly father who takes care of his children's smallest needs. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be yours as well. God is the sovereign master of his plan, but to carry it out, he also makes use of his creature's cooperation. This use is not a sign of weakness, but rather a token of Almighty God's greatness and goodness. For God grants his creatures not only their existence, but also the dignity of acting on their own, of being causes and principle for each other, and thus of cooperating in the accomplishment of his plan. To human beings, God even gives the power of freely sharing in his providence by entrusting them with the responsibility of subduing the earth and having dominion over it. God thus enables men to be intelligent, and free causes in order to complete the work of creation, to perfect its harmony for their own good and that of their neighbors. Though often unconscious collaborators with God's will, they can also enter deliberately into the divine plan by their actions, their prayers, and their sufferings. They then fully become God's fellow workers and co-workers for his kingdom. The truth that God is at work in all the actions of his creatures is inseparable from faith in God, the Creator. God is the first cause who operates in and through secondary causes, for God is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good and pleasure. Far from diminishing the creature's dignity, this truth enhances it. Drawn from nothingness by God's power, wisdom, and goodness, it can do nothing if it is cut off from its origin. For without a, without a Creator, the creature vanishes. 
Still less can a creature attain its ultimate end without the help of God's grace. Father. Thanks, Bill. The, this, uh, this idea of divine providence is, um, not, you know, probably isn't, shouldn't be surprising to any of us who, um, who believe in God and believe in his power and, and his uh, presence outside of time, right? Which is still probably not the best way of describing uh, time, but it's the best we got. And so, we sit in this notion knowing that, that God's will um, sees, as we would describe it, sees into the past, but also sees into the future, and, and God guides all of human history. But there's there's something that kind of underlies this, um, this section of the catechism that speaks of man's cooperation with God's will and his, and his divine providence. And it's, one, uh, a primacy of God. Right and and him being the first cause of all action, right? That, um, and you know, kind of a maybe an overly simple way of looking at it would be to remind ourselves that none of this exists without God, right? God created the world, and if that didn't happen, then nothing else could possibly be, right? And I remember there was an old joke when we were a kid where uh, God and a scientist uh, meet face to face, and and the scientist very boldly says, "God, you've done well, but we don't need you anymore. We can create everything." We just, you know, so we just don't need you to be around anymore. And he goes, oh, okay. And he goes, well, let, let's test that. And, he, and the scientist goes, great. What are we creating? He goes, another man. And so God snaps his fingers, and another man is created, and, and the scientist reaches down, and he grabs a pile of dirt and says, God goes, hold on a second, you get your own dirt, right? Then he says, you, you, can, you can maybe manipulate things, but you can't create, right? That's, what's, that's what that you know, very simple joke kind of reminds us of is that we'll never be able to create like God creates out of nothing. Um, but more importantly is, is this idea of what we are called to be, which is, um, as, the, as the catechism describes, secondary causes. And I was shocked to find that not a single word out of one of these three paragraphs of se- under secondary causes was uh, uh, any Dominican friars, right? Because they, they all are, are very good Thomists, and they all that's exactly as Thomas is is able to understand almost everything is, is, is in this divine providence. We are secondary causes, right? So we're not the first movers of all things, but rather we cooperate with the divine will, which is kind of a great way of understanding uh, our entire life, is that we're meant to be good instruments. Um, we're not meant to be all of these other things, right? The reason that the devil is the devil is because he refused to be a good instrument. Non serviam. Um, he, he screams at the Lord, um, and it and it led to his literal damnation. Um, we're called, on the other hand, to be able to say yes, I will serve, and yes, I will be a good instrument. And I think often of of the great prayer of Saint Alphonsus Liguori, the patron saint of moral theologians, and the writer of of a very classic version of the Stations of the Cross. So he says, "I love you, my Jesus, with all my heart. Uh, never permit me to fail you again." Grant that I may love you always, and then do with me as you will. That's the end of his reflection. That's the end of his statement of prayer. Um, pretty much each, and to one degree or another, each of the stations. And because that is it, that's the moral life. That's that's what it means to be uh, a good instrument of God. Make me love you always, and then then you can do whatever you want. Once I, once I'm in love with you, Lord. Once I understand what goodness is then everything else falls into place. Then your will is done. I don't need to be worried about anything else. That's what it means to be non-anxious about things. God, I love you. And then from there, everything will be okay. But until that's until that recognition is, is there, we're always going to be competing. 
every time we say, God, I want to be in control. I want to be the first cause, my will first, then yours. That's where we get in trouble. But the catechism reminds us, and and our Lord is so gentle with us to say, no, no, I'm God. And when, once you remember that, things will fall into place.